There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by The Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back. Ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. Madison Hopkins is a regenerative real estate change agent who is committed to doing more good than harm, working to make our world socially just, culturally rich, and ecologically restorative. She's also the host of the Eco-Friendly Homes podcast for sustainably-minded folks who want to reduce their carbon footprint on a large scale through their home. Her mission is to see more people have sustainable homes, whether from new or through home improvements, and it gives us all a new perspective on how we build and improve our living spaces. Welcome, Madison, to The Ethical Evolution. Thanks for having me on today's show, Bendy. Appreciate it. Now, uh, for those who don't know who you are, uh, you're coming to us from uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, And um, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. I am Madison Hopkins. I'm originally from Louisiana. So if you hear a Southern drawl, that is, you are hearing it. It is there. (laughs) And then I live in Denver, Colorado. I've been here for about four years and I work as a real estate agent and my team of real estate agents, we call ourselves regenerative real estate agents or change agents, which very much fits in with Mm. your ethical change agency and um yeah it's pretty much just marrying for me at least it's marrying my passion of sustainability in with my career in real estate um so I sort of got into that because I didn't really know what it was that I wanted to do and I sort of kept waiting for myself to find this like passion job that I really like um And one day I was just like, screw it. It doesn't matter what I do. As long as I do something, just do something. And I have fortunately um, found a way to intertwine that with what I care about and what I believe in. And I also have a podcast called Eco-Friendly Homes. And so that was my real first tangible step of putting that out there in the universe. Awesome. And yeah, there's there's so many ways that you and I are, are on the same page here and, and that is so cool. Um, now, how would you say you differ from a, a regular real estate agent in what you do? So there is um, an accreditation. It's called the Living Future Accreditation and it's typically for buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole real estate team, which is Latitude, we're called Choose Latitude and our brokerage firm is EXP but the team, everyone is getting certified by the living future. 
And so that means that we're going to be able to oversee projects or advise on projects. Um, it's a pretty extensive accreditation. I'm still at the very beginning of the accreditation, um, but I've already learned a lot. And so what I, what I do differently, so Denver is a super hot market for real estate right now. We've got about 0.4 weeks supply of inventory. Maybe we have 0.5 weeks wow. supply of inventory like a whole month supply of inventory. That's not a lot, right? So market imbalance is six months supply. Mm. Uh, and we're in an extreme seller's market. We just don't have a lot of inventory. And so my goal is to get people into a house first and foremost, because mm. they can't have an eco-friendly home unless they have a home. Yeah. That's actually not true because um, renters, I give tangible steps for renters to take as well. So like, you know, you don't have to own your home. But my first step is to get people into a house. So a standard real estate agent when it comes to that. But, you know, if someone's selling a friend or um, a friend, <laughs> don't sell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> if someone is selling a house that has eco-friendly features, of course, I market those differently. I'm going to feature those, make sure that they are noted in the listing and really try and promote that to the right client who's going to appreciate those eco-friendly features, not just call it, you know, the, here's another beautiful condo located mm. in a great part of town, but you're, I've actually seen one of these recently. They were totally missing out on all the eco-friendly features of that building. Um, and then for buyers, it's really sort of coaching them after the fact, after they close on the house, uh, what they can input into their home. And that's totally up to them as far as the path that they take, because, you know, changing any sort of features in your house is, is financially dependent. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's, um, there's, there's a new trend and we're, we're seeing in the way buildings are created and designed now. It's, it's more eco-friendly than ever. Um, my home here, um, I built not quite five years ago and um, even then there's an eco rating um, or, or an enviro ra uh, rating when the home is built. So it has to have certain features to meet those ratings. Um, so, you know, things like insulation and the materials that are used and, you know, the, the heating and cooling and just right down to every material that's used and, and whether there's fans in the rooms and things like that. So it's really interesting that, that this is now actually becoming like a legislati legislation um, almost worldwide um, to actually have that standard of, of building. Yeah, I'm very curious about how the fans would change the ranking. That, that you know what? Because <laughs> this is the funny bit, right? So there's like a, an alfresco area at, at the back here and there's a fan in that outdoor area. And I was like, why do I need that? And they said, it's all part of the eco rating. I was like, okay. So <laughs> go figure. Oh, sorry. <laughs> The birds just use it as a perch. But anyway, other than that, I was a bit perplexed by that. Well, being from Louisiana, I know it is nice to have fans outside because it at least still helps keep some of the mosquitoes away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have the same problem here because it's usually quite warm here in summer. But, um, yeah. I mean, you're probably also seeing trends in, in not just building but also landscaping, right? So it's the whole property itself. Yeah, and just to talk about the legislative um, legislator, totally botching that word. But you don't get what I'm 
legislative aspects of that for a while. Like in Denver, we don't really have um, a set ranking system that homes must put on their um, like MLS, like when they go to the market, they don't have to say what their home ranking is, yep. but in Portland, Oregon, where a lot of my teammates are, they do have to have that. Yeah. So at least for us, and it sounds like for y'all, you, you definitely have to have that. Yeah. And there's also certain parts of Queensland here that, you know, we get cyclones and things like that. So they're now actually changing the building code as well to make homes more sustainable through, um, you know, you know, those kind of events. Yeah, I like to use the word future proofing them, mm. but then I remind myself actually, I, you know, the future is now. Yeah. We are experiencing those sorts of catastrophic environmental changes due to global warming now. So that's why you guys have to have that implemented now. I mean, I I think the future proofing aspect comes in like we do expect it to get worse Mm. um, because we're not still doing enough to make it better Um, and the yard the landscape is definitely one of those aspects so in Denver we have a super dry arid climate and zero scaping some people call it xeriscaping yeah it's x-e-r-i or z-e-r-i and um, it's essentially for us like using rocks and native plants instead of grass and trying to grow luscious green things. Like we need really um, like durable plants that are resilient, that last through the winter. Mm. Um, So I think that's, is it, I always get these confused. Is it a perennial or an annual that regrows every year? The type of plant? I think it's the annual, isn't it? I think it's the perennial because I'm always thinking logistically it's the <laughs> it's the annual because annual annually yeah. but but anyways <laughs> we need the ones that <laughs> you know so um yeah landscaping is definitely a large part of that and in Denver we're seeing a lot of smaller footprint homes too mm. and maybe there's sort of a connection there between everyone's saying reduce your carbon footprint and then builders literally shrinking the footprint Mm. of a home. But I also think it has to do with like a growing population and people living in a more dense urban area instead of urban sprawl. Mm. Right. And Um, it's just changing that density of living, isn't it? Like, um, you know, we, we are running out of space. Um, I know in some countries and, um, you know, instead of spreading out, they're going up or they're, they're actually reducing that footprint. But yes, you know, there are the, the carbon impacts of that as well. Yeah. I don't know them exactly, but I have wondered, okay, well, just because we're building more narrow and smaller footprint, but we're building up, like, how does that change things? Mm. Um, but I do think it's getting people a little bit more used to living happily with less instead of the large single family home that has six bedrooms for your grandchildren, (laughs) but they're only there twice a year. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And and I know in America the the homes are quite large, um, and and underpopulated in in a lot of ways. But um, I know here in Australia, um, you know, and pretty much around the world, there is a tight housing market. And um, I know in in, in my neighbourhood that people are struggling to find housing, um, just because there's there's none at the moment. We they can't keep building fast enough, um, because so many people are moving here. So. You know, there, there's this rental crisis, there's this housing crisis that no one can get a home regardless of whether it's sustainable or not. Um, and I think that's something that we've got to perhaps address through tiny or, or movable homes. Mm, interesting, yeah. Yeah, so people can spread out if they want to, mm. but then if they need to come in for something, they can get closer. I mm. like that. Mm. So I think we have to change the way we look at things. And I think what you're doing, um, that hopefully will help people change their perspective a bit. Um, Now, I want to ask you, Madison, um, you know, some of the people that you've helped through the real estate work that you do and also through your podcast, what kind of difference has it made to them? Well, through my podcast, I I launched it last summer, so I still am – slowly gaining an audience and I'm just doing it very organically but I will say I do have a really good friend she's my longest friend here in Denver her name is Imani and she listens to every single one of my podcast episodes she's really supportive and she loves it she gives me feedback a lot she's always like oh my god I loved how you said this like I did not know this I have a couple friends who give me feedback in terms of wow, I didn't know this. Um, and that was really cool. And then it's also been really good for me because I get to learn so much from so many people that I otherwise would not have met such as you in Australia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I um I just love uh, I was just saying in the last episode um that you know the amount of people that I've met through doing podcasts and the things that I've learned I am just this wealth of knowledge that nobody knows (laughs) you know it's so cool yeah and I like that we get to re-listen to them too because you don't have to forget anything oh yeah I know where to find that exact resource and for people who want more resources on um the landscaping as far as making an eco-friendly landscape or, or ethical changes to your landscape. I have an episode, I think it's number, it's one of the earlier ones, it's got to be number eight or something like that. And it's by Wanda Osterman. And it says, heal the earth, heal the soil. And she just an hour long into it, she gets really, really into the earth talking about how, um, you know, it's not just land or it's not just lawn care. So it's not just lawn care that we need to take care Mm. of, but it's land care Mm. and how people will get fixated on like, Oh, the tree's so pretty. My grass has to be cut every four weeks in the summer or like Mm. every week sometimes. And then um, people trying to put band-aids on top of issues that are really just like, well, you know, just check your soil levels. Yeah, and it's, it's again coming back to being conscious, isn't it, about what you're actually doing and the decisions that you're making. Um, I mean, so often as homeowners, we quite often want to keep up with the Joneses or, or you know, the neighbourhood um, and, you know, right down to the green grass and like my neighbour, he has impeccable grass, but I don't and I really don't care. Um, but I actually take, um, 
you know, different care of things. Like I don't use any chemicals. I'm very conscious of, of what goes into the soil. Um, and, you know, you've got, to, you've got to put love into it. You can't just, you know, damage it and expect something back. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, in terms of how my work as a regenerative real estate change agent affects homeowners and the people I've worked with, it is a slow process because sort of what you were just saying, um, like, well, for when you take care of your yard, right? Mm. Like you don't put chemicals in there and I'm sure that you've experienced sometimes you need something, Mm. but the the solution that you can get at the store isn't what you want to use, right? No, no, I've I've actually um, learned natural solutions that do the same thing, you know? But you still had to take time to figure out what are the natural solutions. And I was just experiencing yesterday, I've got like a floor poof. Yeah. And we ordered them not full of poof stuff because the the store was offering, um, where we ordered it from was offering polyester filling. We didn't want that. Mm. And it was going to cost more to ship it. And so when we got the poofs, I'm like, okay. Now I have to fill them with what? And I could not find anything at the store that wasn't polyester stuffing. Mm. So now I'm like, okay, so my options would, and this is, and this is just my little tiny furniture example of yep. what living in a, an ethical, eco-friendly, regenerative home is like. It takes practice, it takes patience, and it takes persistence. Mm. Absolutely. So I, Yeah. So I found that I either have to order like organic cotton filling, organic latex filling, which is going to cost a lot. And then I thought an alternative would be ask all my friends if they have old pillows, because it's still probably going to be stuffed with polyester, but at least I'm reusing the fabric. Mm. Right. Yeah. And not creating more waste. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And that goes into home ownership as well. And Um, it's a lot of research as to like, does this material contain chemicals that I am trying to avoid? So I've been, I learned from a podcast guest and I've been sharing with others to focus on certifications Mm -hmm. and then spend your time instead of becoming a chemist and (laughs) spend your time just validating those, um, those certifications to make sure that they are a good certification and also associations look for things that it's associated with, you know, is it part of the, this or that, then you, you know, it's likely a good product. Mm. So, um, I know you were just talking about, um, you know, finding solutions, um, for things like, you know, filling what I think is, we call a bean bag here. Um, and, um, you know, would you say that's probably one of the biggest challenges in what you do is actually finding solutions that are more ethical and, and kinder to the environment? Uh, yes, especially because I, <clears throat> in the last eight months to um, like a year and a half, depending on like what situation I'm talking about, have started to explore regenerative, eco-friendly, sustainable aspects of a house. Mm. So yeah, it is because, you know, it, it, it takes time to learn all the things and figure out, like talk to my clients and say like, Hey, I know you went with this type of flooring, 
did it work for you? I know you used low VOC paint. Like, is it, is it performing well? Um, how do you feel inside your home? Mm. You, are you noticing your indoor air quality is better? And then also with clients who have homes that, that, so that's like a new build, right? Or someone who like remodeled, but then someone who is moving in and has a lot of, of updating to do on their house or just moves in as is, um, you know, those questions are going to take time because that's when I need to say, like, when you get ready to update your windows, you know, think about this mm. or, oh, great. I actually had a client just rip up engineered hardwood floor and underneath the engineered floor, she found laminate flooring Ooh. and then underneath. Yeah. Gross. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then under, <laughs> underneath that, she found the gold mine of the old original hardwood floor. Oh, wow. And there was no asbestos on the dig down to the floor. So I'm sure just by removing those two layers of unneeded flooring, she's going to feel better in her home knowing that like, this is the original wood floor. She's going to breathe better because it's going to provide more circulation, less dust clutter. Mm. Um, so there's so many different aspects of what goes into like an eco-friendly home and what things that you can pay attention to. Mm. So materials is one of them right the flooring the carpet the paint the um appliances also the fabrics right and then the products going chemical free and then there's things that i i didn't think would be so prominent in an eco-friendly home until i started having podcast guests and that is community Mm. community is huge for people yeah absolutely we need people, right? <laughs> we want people near us. We want to be in relation to people who have similar goals as we do mm. and who think the same way and or at least not even think the same way because people also really like that healthy dose of challenge to create change and just discussion. But what I mean is that you and I, like we have a similar mission, mm. like we want to provide value to people through um through ethical choices yeah absolutely now I'm curious um to know Madison what kind of resources would you recommend to people if they're really interested in in making some more sustainable choices around um you know updates to their home or or building a new home so when it comes this is something I've really learned um from a couple different people and it's indoor environmental air quality testing Mm -hmm. and so that could be everyone I think has heard of the blower door test Mm. and that shows where your air is leaking in the house Um, but there's also formaldehyde testing and you can test levels of different chemicals and off-gassing in the house and then I think that's a really good place to start because after that you can say, oh, this is what I actually need to change. Mm. Yeah, because we're just not conscious, are we? We just think we're safe inside our home. I mean, how could we be, you know? We didn't Mm. build – how could we be conscious of it? Not how could we be safe, but how could we be conscious? Because we didn't build these Mm. homes. Most of us do not have a hand in our home remodeling or building process. And – 
and, and don't know about architecture or chemicals or, you know, we all have our things that we have to mm. pay attention to, have to do, mm. and our home doesn't include that. Yeah, but isn't it funny, like, you know, if if we just um, got curious um, yeah. and, you know, it's what we know, right, and so if we actually opened our mind a bit to learn some of this stuff, the changes that we could make. So how does how does um, the curiosity of uh, eco friendly home relate to your listeners? Like why why are they interested in the eco friendly home? Um, I guess you know again it's about being conscious about the choices that we can make um, to make the world a better place. Um, to put it basically, <laughs> um, and that's that's pretty much aligned with the mission of the show. Um, so really any kind of decision we can make in life that makes a change for the better, um, there's millions you could make around an eco-friendly home, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are. And there's no real standard for it either. In the living future accreditation that I'm studying for, they can't provide people who are building a building to those certifications with a cost because every building's going to have so many different Absolutely. pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. You know? So for you, Madison, can you define for me what ethical means to you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is like being an adolescent and my dad talking to me about like things that are ethical. And he always would say like your ethics and your values. Um, so I instantly think about that as like a personal, a personal thing, mm. um, you know, something that we sort of live by and make our decisions by and, and weigh our decisions by like, okay, I did something did it fit into that? Yes or no. Maybe I'll do something different next time. Or before we make that decision, does it fit into this? Um, yeah. Like really deep interpersonal processes. Yeah. No, I love that. And I, I say this every episode, there's no wrong answer to that question, but I just love to see everyone's perspective of it. Um, because you know, what, what it is for you and what it is for me can be completely different, but still yeah. right, you know? I do think that's really interesting. And I, I think that maybe my definition of ethical is um, it's maybe a little more external than I initially thought that it could be because mm. here I am saying like, you know, regenerative real estate and eco-friendly homes for the external things around us, for the environment, um, for our future so making ethical decisions based on not just my existence on earth, but um, future generations' existence on earth, your existence, um, you know, animals' existence. Yeah, which, is, which comes back to, you know, something I say regularly on this podcast, and that is, you know, what I do today impacts your tomorrow. Um, and no doubt you, you'd actually see the effect of that in the work that you do. I actually just heard that in a meditation like two days ago. No way. <laughs> well, she said it in a, in a, only a singular, what I do today affects my tomorrow, but you're saying what I do today affects your tomorrow. So that's actually more inclusive. Mm. Yeah. And regardless of whether you're in Denver and I'm in Brisbane, you know, 
still can impact each other. You are in the future, so you can definitely send. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely am. So, yes, I can impact your tomorrow, definitely. (laughs) And thought of it that way. Well done. (laughs) Now, um, what are your future plans um, with the podcast and and your work and the accreditation stuff that you're doing and, um, you know, what's happening for you? So, um, just to give everyone a more full round of perspective, I got my real estate license last year as well. Mm-hmm. So I got it right before COVID hit at the United States. So, um, I finished my studying in I, January, got the test in February, I passed my real estate test in February and then, um, joined a firm in March and then everything closed down. Wow. So yeah, just for everyone's history of like, I, I've been doing a lot of business planning with this, you know, it's still pretty fresh for me and where do I want to take it? And since I joined my team choose latitude, it's definitely been ever changing. Um, and we're starting to think about like consulting homeowners who aren't our real, sorry, the dog just barks. <laughs> he chases his tail and yelps. <laughs> cute yeah he is really cute but um yeah we're thinking about getting into the consulting aspects of things so people who aren't looking to buy or sell a home can still have um we can still influence how they live in their homes Mm. and then uh I also want to get into like house flipping Mm. so investing in real estate for myself, living in it, flipping it and making those flips eco-friendly features. Because that's sort of one thing that I noticed about our market is that that's one thing that I wanted to implement into it. We have a lot of conventional homes, Mm. but I want to see regenerative homes. I Mm. want to see places that have gray water systems inside them. So for people who don't know what gray water systems are, that's water that comes from your sinks, showers, and laundry, and then it gets recycled either back into your toilet bowl, which at least in the United States, our toilets um, account for 25% of our household water use, Mm. which is crazy to think about. Yeah. And then another thing that the gray water can do instead of going into the toilet bowl is flowing out into the yard and watering like maybe fruit trees, if you have those, or just watering your regular plants. They actually like a lot of nutrients. Um, but of course, the gray water systems have to filter out soap yeah. um, before they go into the yard. So actually, I take the fruit trees back because it, I'm sure you can. I know, I think banana trees like black water, which comes from toilets. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the legislative goes, they're not really going to promote using non-potable water to grow food yeah true yeah Mm. um right so I want to I want to integrate homes with those sorts of systems and I feel like once I get my hands on a project then I'm really my knowledge is going to go from like a five to a nine yeah you know that tangible experience is I'm such a kinesthetic learner yeah and, you know, until you build a house, you don't realise how much actually goes into it. Like it is a massive project, right? Um, and, you know, just, just some of the things that you were talking about there um, and, and I absolutely love 
the vision of what you're, you're wanting to do here because there's a huge market for it um, and a growing market for it. Um, but, you know, down to things like grey water systems and, and, and those kind of things and the water usage that we have uh, in a home um, are things that are becoming more uh, conscious for people because, you know, a lot of – I know a lot of Australia is in drought – um, so we have to be very conscious and they've actually got rules around how much water we can use and when we can use it, um, down to, you know, the types of taps we have in homes and, you know, the water flow you have on your toilet and whether you have a tank on your home, a rainwater tank. Um, it used to be legislation to have to have a rainwater tank on your home, um, but mine doesn't. So it's kind of interesting um, how, you know, this evolution is happening in just the way we use resources within our home. I wish we had more rules against how we use our water. Mm. And I know that that is, I said that in singularity towards like a residential homeowner. Um, but I'm reading a book. It's called Unmaking America's Water Crisis. Mm. Actually, that's the subtitle. Sorry, it's called Blue Revolution, mm-hmm. Unmaking America's Water Crisis by Cynthia Barnett. And I got this book um, back in college and I didn't read it then. I like read some of the chapters, but not the whole thing. And it's just blowing my mind. Yeah. At, like, you know, we use um, water to water the meridians in, I think they're called, no, that's not a meridian. Uh Anyways, the green patch of grass in between two roads. Yep. We use water for that. And apparently grass is America's largest crop, if you consider it all the things that we grow, Mm. crop. And there's like just really dumb things that we use water for. Like they'll shut down water use and limit residential homeowners, but then people can still have water parks, Mm. pools, grottos lagoons and it I think that sort of comes back to like the money aspect is like of course like whoever has money invested or whoever's money they want they're not going to take their water away from their precious pool Mm. which does concern me a lot um for you know just the type of decisions that people make Mm. who have the, the ultimate say in things um but then, of course, there's so many people on a daily basis who are constantly fighting um, to get signatures on petitions and push things with, into lobbyist hands and mm. um, that are actually fighting for, like, good causes. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's it. It, it, it all starts with us, doesn't it? Um, we have to actually be the change <laughs> um, for it to occur, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I just motioned, guys, if you can't see me, I've got the Be The Change hoodie on that you can get at Ethical Change Agency. Little sh- shameless plug. <laughs> Love it. Um, now, if people want to find out more about what you're, you're doing, Madison, and they want to get in touch, how can they do that? I'm pretty reachable on multiple areas. Uh, Instagram, Moving With Madison, and there's two periods moving dot with dot Madison. Yep. Um, same with YouTube moving with Madison. What else am I on? I do have a Facebook business page. Please don't contact me there. I will <laughs> not respond. <laughs> and then I have um, my own website, which is moving with Madison. 
So it's my first ever website. Um, I feel like MySpace was always priming us for this moment. <laughs> oh, poor MySpace. <laughs> yeah, it was really revolutionary and just got way overshadowed, but that that's okay. Um, uh, but they really had it all. They had the changeable background and yep. the music. <laughs> Oh, the the memories. <laughs> yeah. And then you can also email me, Madison at movingwithmadison.com. And that's Madison with one D, M-A-D-I-S-O-N. Awesome. Now I've got the last big question for you. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? From a real estate perspective, I would like to see the um, – market have more sustainable homes than conventional homes. I would really like to see us implementing those those important systems like the water. Um, so I'd really like to see our values shift towards more resource care. Mm. Um, I have this like interesting perspective that things are probably going to get a little bit worse. But then I do believe that whenever they get worse, they will get better. Mm. Uh, sort of like our current thinking is going to hit rock bottom and like we'll hit the rock, mm. you know, it might be a broken bone, but we will be okay after and things will get better. Um So I kind of just have to hold steadfast to that. I know everyone has their own perspective on things, but so, yeah, I think things will get better. And I, I think that, um, things like, you know, being mindful about what we use and how we live life and, you know, people are eating vegan because they don't want to have, um, like that on their conscience and they want animals to live healthy and happily. Um, so like all these sorts of things that people do, like what I'm doing with my work and what what you do with your work, it's sort of like, we're almost already pushing that tailwind up. Mm. We're going to hit rock bottom. We're already like pushing it back up. Yeah. So there's just a little bit of, of that. And then that's also what I want to see for our, our future. What I want in the future is, um, first off, I want flying cars and jetpacks. (laughs) I asked my parents for a jetpack when I was six years old for Christmas and they got me these, um, it was really clever. They got me these like moon boots instead. They were basically like trampoline for your shoes. Yeah. (laughs) So I've been waiting for these jetpacks for a long time, but, um, I want us, you know what I really want? I really want a future where we have, um, that moment in the coronavirus when all the skies were blue and mm. all the smog. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, again, comes back to that, what I do today impacts your tomorrow. Um, because, you know, what um, the virus did, and again, it only took one person, uh, was actually told us all to go inside and it was almost like nature went, all right, you guys go inside and let me get better as well. And it did. Like, just absolutely incredible, the impact we make on the earth. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know the word for it, but my boyfriend told me we watched Seaspiracy. Have you? I haven't watched it, but I have heard about it, yes. We watched it. We are um, not eating fish Mm. for a whole year. 
Mm. You know, if we like go fishing with his dad or something, then like, sure, we'll eat that. But like reducing our commercial um, demand on fish. But anyways, and he, my boyfriend was saying like, fish is this, and that's the word, I don't know. It's this sort of system where when we leave it, if we leave it alone, it would regenerate Mm. in three years. Yeah. So... Again, it's just, oh, gosh, if we were conscious, hey, <laughs> what a change we could make. But we're working on it, right? Mm. We, I think a lot of us are conscious and and we're just, we're working on our marketing, you know? We're getting our voice loud and, and perfecting our brand so people know what we're saying, you know? Yeah, and look, I couldn't agree with you more on the, you know, it'll get worse before it gets better. Like, it's there's always some event that triggers a change, um, you know, a, a one that is permanent um, and whether it – and sometimes it may have to be a disaster to actually make that change. Um, but there's so many things that have happened that have, you know, were necessary for us to actually reach where we need to be. So, yeah, I completely agree with you there. So I think bit by bit, if we're all doing our bit, um, we can get there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now um, – Madison, I can't thank you enough for joining me on The Ethical Evolution. It's been um, so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm, I'm excited to listen to the episode and listen to some more of your episodes. Thanks for listening to The Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electric acid.